You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. So Wednesday night, I go to the Sox game, and we're going to get into the vibe there on this episode of Sox in the Basement, Ed, because it was a something. I, that's the only way I could say it. It was a, it was an absolute something. But I'm I'm walking from Cork and Carry at the park after I just got my kid a cheeseburger because it's a better value and a better burger than what I was going to get for him when we went to the ballpark, and he loves burgers. And we're, we're walking down the street, heading to the ballpark to get to our gate, and he says, Dad, when I get there, I'm going to chant Fire Tony. Now, he's seven years old. Little cute seven-year-old, and he's been watching on TV most of these games with me. He can hear the Fire Tony chants, and he is just pumped up and ready to chant. He just can't wait. He can't wait. He wants to chant Fire Tony at seven years old. He's got his little White Sox hat on. He's carrying his glove in case a foul ball lands up in his section. He wants to go to the kids' zone. He wants a he wants a churro milkshake. I found one of those behind home plate in the 300 level. They're incredible, and they're $17 with the uh, the tip that I gave the person. So is it worth the $17? <laughs> is this a John Travolta situation in Pulp Fiction? Like, that's a pretty good milkshake. I don't know if it's worth $17. Right. It's pretty good. Right. I mean, like, it has two churros in it, and it's a milkshake. And they sprinkle the churro, like, uh, the topping for the churro, that sugary cinnamon stuff, on the top of the whipped cream and the, the cherries that are on it. And it's huge, and it comes in a souvenir cup. So there, there are reasons why it's been built up to that. I wasn't shocked by the price. All right. You know? Okay. Okay. The kid's been waiting all year to go to a game. His his older brother, his older sister have gone to a game. He's been waiting forever to get to a game, and it's not worked out. Okay. And I'm finally like, fine. I'm taking you to a day game on a Wednesday night, and we're we're gonna go to a game. And he stayed up late. He still went to school and thanked me a thousand times. But we're walking on the street. The childlike innocence. I want to chant fire Tony. And I told him, well, he's not going to be there tonight. And he goes, why? I said, well, something happened. He, he's sick. He, he had to go in for some tests. He's an, he's an older guy. Something happened, and he's not going to be around for a couple of days. And the seven-year-old throws his hands out and goes, well, he's faking. <laughs> Wait, what? And I was like, no, no. That's, you can't say that. That's wrong to say. People are on Twitter Whoa, and social media uh, saying that this is fake, and they're wrong to say it. And but the seven-year-old is like, Dad, come on. He falls apart. The team is terrible. They're going to miss the playoffs. It's a seven-year-old walking down the street with his little White Sox hat on and his glove. I mean, picture this. It's a true story. Walking down the street, waving his hands wildly. He's his father's son all the way. And he's the youngest, so he's the the loudest, and he talks the most crap, right? Because that's what happens with the youngest child, because that's how they get attention. And he's yeah, right, hundred percent. He's looking up at me, and he's like, he's losing. They're terrible. Everybody's mad at him. Of course, he doesn't want to come to work, Dad. He's he just doesn't want to go anymore. Now, look. First of all, that's cute. It's cute when a seven year old says it. It's funny, and I corrected him. Trust me, I told him like, hey. You know, you don't know. He's an older man. Could have, like, you know, 
had his picture was taken in his uniform with the general manager. And then he could have walked into the tunnel and something happened. He felt something and oh no. And he talks to a doctor. He said, why don't you go get it checked out? They send him for some tests and it's more serious. We have no idea what's going on, mainly because the White Sox, unlike any other professional sports organization, just doesn't give you basic facts and doesn't tell you anything. So they shroud themselves in secrecy. They, they secretly hired Bill Belichick to, to tell us how to deal with this. Right. So officially Tony's on the shelf with a body, right? He's got a body. He's, he's on yeah. the IL with a body. That's what he's got. I mean, this is what allows the seven year old and also Twitter trolls to immediately say, this is fake. This is how we're getting him out. This is why he'll not be the manager next year. This is a whole thing, but that's what happened. The childlike innocence, even, even though it's something only a seven year old can get away with saying, right? As adults, we have to sit and we have to wait and we shouldn't assume that and it's wrong to do. The seven-year-old immediately looks at me and goes, well, that's because he doesn't want to go out there anymore and get booed, Dad. And look, I will vouch, I have met this seven-year-old. He, he does exist. This is not Chris's inner child throwing his hands up. This is this is really how this kid talks. But look, I, I will say this, though. I, you know, I, I understand, like, where I understand where your kid's coming from. This is something I've been kind of saying since things started to fall apart and people started with the fire Tony chance is that he's never going to get embarrassed by Jerry Reinsdorf. But I've wondered the entire season as I've watched Tony operate and work, is this a man who at age 77 going on 78 can stand up to the rigors of managing a major league baseball team and the rigors of the road. And he doesn't appear to be able to like, he looks like a guy who's struggling, right? He looks like a guy who physically is having a hard time being there. He's nodding off of the dugout. He doesn't walk around very well. He looks like, look, he looks like everybody's grandfather when he really becomes grandpa, right? When he's like, oh man, this is, here comes grandpa, get him a chair, get him a blanket, get him a pillow. I mean, it's, that's a perception you would have of him just watching him walk around. It's it's not an ageist thing either. It's just, it's just observationally when you, when you hear him talk after a game, especially after a really tough game, he sounds exhausted, Right. He just, he has that thing of when you've had a bad day, sound really tired, but he sounds like that a lot. And you you do, you watch him go out to the mound, you watch him the way he moves, and then you do see things like him nodding off in the dugout. It is, it's just, I think, I, I think this is probably legitimate because I do think that he has been showing signs all along of, this is a guy who's struggling, but he's too proud to quit. He's never going to quit on a team. That, that I don't think Tony La Russa gets to the Hall of Fame by being a guy who's going to give up at the first sign of his own discomfort or his own problem. But I also don't think that the team was ever going to let him get back in the dugout next year because they've got to be aware, okay? The, the training staff has got to be aware. Jerry's got to be aware that this guy is, it's just, he can't physically do it anymore. So yeah, he's probably having tests. I don't think you're going to see him in the dugout again this season, regardless of what the tests are. I think the Sox are going to be extremely private about it. I can understand why they're doing that with Tony because this is not like saying Luis Robert has a knee injury and we don't really want to specify. This is a guy who is elderly. This is a guy who is clearly struggling with something with his health. We're going to respect his privacy and we're not going to make a deal out of it by putting out something in the public and letting, you know, people are going to speculate no matter what we do. So we're just not going to feed into it. This episode of Socks in the Basement and every episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. 
Bowing walls, window wells, foundation and crack repair. They take care of concrete going up and down. That's a foundation issue. Some pumps, gutter cleaning, yard draining systems, exterior wall ceiling, crawl space encapsulation. I can go on and on. They do it all. The whole purpose is to keep your home protected from water that's getting in. Protect your foundation. It is one of your most valuable assets. They've been around since 2013. They're family and veteran owned and operated. And if you give them a call at 708 708- 330-4466 and mention socks in the basement, you get money off. See what a difference a family makes at familydry.com. Um, I I have to take a little bit of issue with you excusing the White Sox for not saying anything. You don't need to tell me everything that's happening with him, but somebody should address the media other than Miguel Cairo. I mean, isn't that the most White Sox thing in the world? Leave the bench coach who now is the coach to answer all the questions. Like, where's Kenny? Isn't that like one of his jobs? Where's Where's Rick? Why is that not happening? Why? I mean, look, if you don't need to give away very because much, they've already been excused for medical purposes, and we're just really not going to hear about those. Yeah, <laughs> but but seriously, like like let them at least answer questions, right? They can say, I don't want to talk about that. That's personal. Yes, whatever the issue was popped up after the picture of him taken in uniform, talking to Rick Hahn that same day. It popped up clearly after that. Like just any kind of talk to the media would dispel the idea that people think there's something sinister going on because I'm with you. I think this is an, an elderly man who's doing a very difficult job. Badly, never forget badly. It was a very, very bad job of managing this year. He's one of the main reasons that this team is not good. Him, the front office, we've gone through this a million different ways, folks. Just because he's not feeling well, uh, and it doesn't change what his performance was this year. You can see that he's a bad manager and then also see that he's an older man who's got pride, like you're saying, who probably pushed himself too hard doing a job that nobody his age really ever does. That is extremely difficult to do that. We've watched world-class athletes supposedly end up on the aisle constantly on this team because of the rigors of the road. So I, I understand that he's at an age where this is completely normal and I hope that he gets better. Okay. Personally, I wish nothing against Tony La Russa. I just don't want to see him be the manager anymore. And I don't think he will be again. I don't think Tony La Russa puts on a White Sox uniform and sits there as the manager unless after they've done all their testing, they decide that he can do like the last home series. He can have a send off, right? Because nobody's going to boo him when he comes back from being ill once this all comes out. So he gets one, one last time to wave his little hat in the air, tells everybody how he's moving into an advisory role. He tried his best. This is a young man's game and he moves on. I think that's why it's indefinite. I don't expect to see him anymore. And I think this is the beginning of the dominoes all falling. Him getting ill and not being part of the team anymore does not change a thing about what we've talked about on this show. I want to dive into how the fans feel, though, because I went on Wednesday night and that was the most apathetic crowd that I've seen at a White Sox game ever. I think there was more excitement during the rebuild. When Daniel Palka's out in the outfield, right? Like I, I saw more excitement <laughs> when you, when you had the future yet to cheer for, right? <laughs> Daniel Palka, the hope that we had for Daniel Palka, Palk smash, right? Like that, that to me is the big story, and that's why we're bringing in an expert in fandom, one of the three 
that make up the core of the 108. Beef loaf. On next, we're getting a fan perspective from the most famous section in the ballpark right here on Socks in the Basement. My youngest, when I took him to the game Wednesday night, started off his White Sox experience at Cork and Carry at the park. And man, he was treated like a champ. They even put cartoons on on the corner TV. I don't know if they do that for everybody. He was high rolling. Bring the family in, whoever you're going to the game with, before every White Sox game. Get yourself a great beer or a drink from that big, beautiful bar. Fine selection, craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits and wines, and the award-winning menu of burgers. My guy loves a cheeseburger. He got a cheeseburger. When your kid looks at you and goes, Dad, that's a burger. Like, I felt good for bringing him there. It's a great atmosphere right in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton. You walk over, you enjoy the game, and then, you know, adults get back over there afterwards. It's great for post-game as well. And Cork and Carey's Beverly location is having a big event for Labor Day weekend. Head over to 10614 Southwestern Avenue, the original Sunday Night Rocks Off is playing at Cork and Carry Beverly. It is their annual day before Labor Day party in the beer garden with Rocks Off. Learn more about both locations at corkandcarry.com. And joining me on the phone line right now, I am so fortunate to be able to sit down and talk with one of the three members of the most famous section when it comes to fan sections in the ballpark. We've had them on before, the 108, and Beef Loaf is on with me right now. How are you, my friend? Chris, man, uh, love you. Long time no talk. I- I'm good. I'm uh, personally good, uh, even though it's tough watching this team. It's it's like, you know... Uh, it's like this long-lasting thing. It'll never end, and you kind of get these peaks and valleys, a little bit of hope here, and then all you know, all your hopes are dashed. Uh, you get a five-game losing streak, and, and Dylan Cease can't close the team out in the eighth inning. It's, it, it's brutal. You know, I, I wanted to talk to you mostly because I go to this game on Wednesday, and I saw two things. I just talked about Cork and Carey there. I met a woman there that I've, I've seen many times at the ball game, who's a diehard White Sox fan who tells me that since she had bought tickets in advance for Mount Carmel night on Wednesday, she had come down to drink a few beers at the cork was just going over with her ticket to get her hat, her Mount Carmel white Sox hat and was leaving. Cause she wasn't going into the ballpark to watch that mess. <laughs> that's, that's what she told me. And then I go in with my son and I'm sitting there in a the 300 level with the hoity toits looking down upon the one Oh eight. Okay. As yes. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're in the bougie section and the, you're looking down at those commoners. That's right. right. And I'm looking down there and I see less than 10 in the entire section. Like, and I was not there. I'll admit to you, Chris, I, I didn't attend Wednesday night. You're right. You're right. That's and, right. And when I see the 108 not showing up, I think to myself, that's why they had a team meeting because they know the fans are annoyed. Like, give me the feeling right now because you're at almost every game. Your section gets yeah. talked about even by the mainstream that covers the team. You guys are everywhere. I can talk about my experiences as much as I want to, but guys who go every single day, interact with the fan base, what has this been like over the last month for you? Well, it's been it's been brutal, and, and I reckon all the way back to uh, 2021. We're coming out of COVID protocols, and it's I think it's middle of June. It's a Tuesday night, and we've just kind of I think the White Sox opened it up to like two thirds capacity or something. Tuesday night against Tampa, we're at home in the middle of June. Dallas Keuchel's on the bump. I think it's like June 15th, 2021. 
Uh, he throws seven shutout. It might have been the last good Dallas Keuchel start. I, I, I don't remember. I'm not 100% sure. And that crowd, about 19,000 people there, which was a, just about what could, you could put in there on the Tuesday night after the, you know, the relaxed protocol was so loud and so into the game. And we had such great momentum through 2021 and into early 2022 that now we're starting to get to the point. And I don't, I don't want to quite say it, but on, on weeknights, like you experience a Wednesday night, Chris, that's starting to look like rebuild White Sox crowds. And, and when I say rebuild, it is legitimately like those pockets of, of people that you know are like season ticket holders and they're going and, and this is our misery. We're always going to be at these things, you know, like, but the people who are like, I want to watch a good team play ball. They've kind of uh, jumped out of there. I remember early in this season, you would see it on Twitter. You would see, Hey, I'm getting rid of some tickets and here's what I want for them. And the parking pass and it would, it would be above a face value and then move a couple months along. And then here I want some tickets and just face value. I'll take face value for all this stuff. And then in the last couple of weeks I've seen, um, I'll take, I'll just want to give these away. I'd like them to go to a good home. I hope someone will go watch this team because I have no interest in it. And it's really gone down tremendously, uh, particularly in the weeknights. The loneliest guy I saw in the ballpark was the guy who was standing behind home plate because I walked through everything. Because now you can walk on to the 100 level section when nobody <laughs> nobody cares. It's the good old days. It's the good old days again. <laughs> it's you the just good old days. go wherever you want to go. And and I, I walk down there and I'm walking along with my son. And the loneliest guy I saw was the guy that's behind home plate with the sign up for season tickets booth. And it was just, I felt so bad for him. It's people people not only walked by, but they gave him dirty looks. And it's not his fault. He's got to be there. And like, people are just, I, I wonder how many fans walk by and just yell at him as they go by. Like, I mean, it's just, that's the way that it is. And I had interactions with ushers and, and the parking people and you, you guys, I see on your social media all the time. People can follow them. It's really funny to see some of the stuff you talk about and what you do. Uh, follow them on Twitter. I think that's where you guys, you definitely live on Twitter. Okay? Materially, at From the 108 on yeah. Twitter. That's at right, yeah. From the 108 <laughs> is where they live. Okay, go, go, go hang out with them in White Sox Twitter. But you interact, from what I can tell, with a lot of people that work with the organization down to, like, you know, the security person to maybe an usher to whatever. I would imagine you're also hearing from them. Like they're sitting there going, this is crazy. This is nuts. Like this, is, I'm not having fun because I was hearing it myself. Like they're kind of laughing like, oh, there'll be 400 people here tonight. They know. Oh yeah. You can see it in their face. And, and, and the beer vendors are at least happy that their regulars are there and show up, but they're not getting the the tips and, and the, the, the line that would, would normally form there uh, before, but you're totally right. I mean, like the, the it's just a whole, even like a almost somber atmosphere in there. And even on the weekends, uh, you know, non let's say a non-giveaway or non-special night. Elvis night was still jam-packed, and there were lines out the stadium until, like, the fourth inning. No one could get in the park. You know, the usual stuff. But uh, for a, a late weekend non-giveaway, uh, it's a lighter crowd. It's a less interested crowd. It's a more likely to do the wave crowd, whereas, like, <sighs> when we were coming out of the pandemic, it was a baseball crowd. It was right. people wanted to see the White Sox do something. I think maybe part of the deal is, Chris, and it's, it's somewhat related to the, the poor. I mean, it's it's material to the poor play. But I think as a after effect is like this team doesn't hit home runs. Sometimes you just want to go to the ballpark, see some fireworks on a couple home runs, have a few beers, and that's good enough for you. And for an entertainment product, that's fun. But the team has not been hitting home runs even. So they're playing the most boring style ever. You're just not getting any excitement out of them. And so if you're a casual fan, even going to a one-off game, oh, yes, they're not playing as well as we thought. But also it's a boring brand of ball as well. And our guest today here on Socks in the Basement and every guest on Socks in the Basement brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks and green spaces filled with adventure. 
visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore. Check out their website for all their big upcoming events, including September the 24th. We are going to be at Oktoberfest at the Forge. Come see Socks in the Basement there and visit the Village of Lamont. Learn more at lamontdowntown.com. So you guys are there all the time. You've watched everything from Cup Snakes to the wave, which is inappropriate, especially in big moments in the eighth inning. Uh, yes. You're very vocal about how much you hate it. I hate it as well. <laughs> you saw the sign, I'm sure, that said, sell the team. And I was Absolutely. shocked that it made it from the outfield to behind home plate. And I'm guessing you were there. So explain to me how you think that happened. Because White Sox security doesn't seem like a group that would have allowed that to happen. And somehow it did. And it ended up like national news, that picture. Yeah, so absolutely. So actually, we initially did see it behind home plate. So before all everyone was able to get their pictures with it out in the left field bleachers, they flashed it really quickly behind home plate. And so we tried to get our phones out and get the shot of it right then, but they took it down quickly. I think they realized that, hey, maybe security is coming in on them quick. They're going to relocate. And then when they went out to left field, I think they realized they had a pasture. There was no one around. They held that sign up for a substantial amount of time, allowed all of us to get pictures of it, tweet those out immediately, kind of get those out, out into the universe. Probably shouldn't say this. I, I, I DM Jeff Passan and send him the picture if he wanted it. <laughs> Just because we go back and forth on Twitter. I thought it was funny. You're getting kicked out of your section. You know I, mean? <laughs> I said, Jeff, this is how it's going. It's Sox Park right now. But, but no, and so, it, you know, uh, so, and then it migrated back my own way. I think they were trying to get on TV. I think okay. I think they were attempting to get on TV. I don't know if they actually executed that because I was I was in the stadium at the time. But uh, to me, and, and then it did get confiscated, obviously. And we heard the next day, so that was a Saturday night. The next day was a Sunday a group of fans were sitting in our section. They had a sign, but it was just something totally different. And they said that uh, when they walked in, the security like gave that a good beat down to make sure there was nothing, uh, you know, that was similar to the sign. There was nothing wrapped into it because that's probably how those guys had it in there. Like they had it wrapped in there. I would say, and you can tell me if, if I'm wrong, I'm sure you've thought over the years, how could I sneak something like that into the ballpark? Okay. I mean, you, of course, you've gone yeah. to the ballpark and you figured it out. I would go with something very lightweight, almost like plastic. And I would wrap it around my torso underneath my, my outfit and walk in with it and then unravel it in the bathroom. Like, I don't think you would walk in holding that. You had no. to smuggle that to get in the ballpark. Yeah, correct. That's gotta be, that's gotta be hidden. Although way back in the old days, I want to say this is like 2014 era. Maybe I did bring in uh paper bags with holes cut out in them. Yeah. And I put like a white, proud White Sox fan on it. And no one stopped me with that. And I wore those during <laughs> during game one time. But that was a long time. And people were telling me, hey, Beef, you got to bring that back because, you know, that, that that's where we're, we're trending right here. I don't feel we're trending that bad, but it's 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 getting there. It's a, it's a tough brand of baseball to watch. I don't mind the – see, I, I think it's funny that they took the sign away. I think the sign brings about some nice levity in a season that's been up and down and brutal on the team and brutal on the fans. You know, I, I I guess I understand it from the perspective of uh, the owner probably doesn't like that, but for the rest of us, we're just having a joke about it. It was fun. I'm still going the next day to the game, you know, uh, no matter what happens. And they've got two wins in a row here now with Miguel Cairo. I mean, we're, <laughs> two. Like, I've and they hit home runs with him, Chris. They hit, uh, they've right. hit multi-home runs in all these games, right? So think about this. I've been saying all year, if they just got rid of Tony, imagine if this team just started winning. Like now, <laughs> if all of a sudden, like he's not around. Like, keep taking yeah. tests. I mean, I hope you're fine. I hope you live a long time, okay? I, I hope everything's wonderful with you health-wise. But, you know, if Miguel Cairo keeps winning, it kind of proves us all right, doesn't it? It, it does. <laughs> and seeing him in the dugout and with a lot of energy and interacting with the players after a good play and everything, 
Yeah, maybe they need a little bit of that. You know, you know a little uh, change uh, kind of always helps, at least in the short term. So who knows? Maybe we get lucky. Maybe this uh, next month, Miguel uh, Cairo lights a fire underneath their arses and, and we get something going. All right, that's Beef Loaf. He's one of the three that uh, basically are the nucleus even though you have so many people that are also like such important <laughs> members of your fan group. It's, it's like a cult. It's like a cult without the, the weird white robes and the, 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 the leafs for, for hats that they wear. And we're working on that stuff though, Chris, we'll get that going next season. It's, it's a happy little cult and you're at the center of it. Uh, one of the three beef loaf, uh, follow them at from the one Oh eight. They're good friends of the show. And I appreciate you jumping on my friend. Chris, great talking to you. Take care, brother. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. There's a reason why the White Sox players had a players-only meeting on Thursday. Because after looking at the crowd on Wednesday night, and from what I understand from every usher, beer vendor, parking lot attendant, and anybody else that I approached, and trust me, all of them can't wait to laugh about how absurd it is right now at the ballpark. We can see, as a podcast, when the sacks are good, the majority of listenership to an episode is within the first 48 hours. When the socks are bad, people wait a few days before they get to this show. It, it is a normal thing. The numbers still hold, but the listening pattern changes when people are mad at the team. We saw this earlier in the season. We saw this during the lockout. We've seen it before. We're seeing it now. So this isn't like a made-up thing. We know that Sox fans as a whole are upset. They know too, okay? But when you're at the ballpark on Wednesday night, and they announce the lineup, and they announce the Royals lineups, and the biggest applause of the night was for Michael Massey, local Southside product, Brother Rice kid, Illinois kid, born in Palos Park, I saw up there on the big screen, right? The biggest, the biggest round of applause was for him, and he's playing for the Royals. That they had to pump up the music when Lance Lynn's name was announced because it was so ridiculous when they put, went through the guys that were in the field. That when they announce the team and they play the intro and they take the field, one-third, maybe less, of the stadium actually stands up. Most people just continue their conversations like they're at a Little League game. Like the people that are right around the dugout, they stand, they they basically go to work to pay for ridiculously priced tickets to be there. Those are your absolute diehards. They're standing every day, right? They got a personal relationship with the team, a lot of people down there. But the stadium as a whole not very interested. Not a lot of people there when the game started. It wasn't because of crowds, folks. The tailgating was more fun. They see that. That's why they're having a meeting and they're saying to themselves, I'm sure in this meeting, hey, they're done. Those folks out there, they're done. 
So what we're going to do for the next month is have as much fun as we can. Any of you that are trying to get off this team or going into free agency, do your absolute best and put yourself in a good position for the offseason. You're lucky enough to escape this sinking ship. And the rest of us who are stuck here, do whatever you possibly can. You might as well because you can't leave the team for a month. So you might as well go out and play. That's what I bet was the crux of the conversation inside of that meeting. Well, yeah, I mean, we we know from the limited amount of information we got that it was basically they just want to go out and have fun and do their best, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think internally you're probably right about each of the players sitting there thinking those that are, aren't going to be part of the team, they are going to use this last month just to do their best to pad their stats and show some tape that they can still play and go and get that contract in the offseason. Some of the other guys are probably trying to sit here and say, all right, I'm going to show that I'm worth keeping on this team next year so that I'm not shipped off somewhere else if I if they like being here. And you probably have some guys that are sitting here going to be playing basically for major league careers because you do have some young guys that are up that are still on the fringe. You know, somebody like Sebi Zavala, for example, you know, we, we'd sit there and we say he's basically the starting catcher on this team, but that's not a guarantee going into next year. So he's got to show that, that – He's legit, right? You've got guys that, are, that have got to show that they belong in some way, shape, or form. So when they talk about going out and having fun, it's really them saying, play loose, play your game, forget about what the coaches are telling you to try and do or whatever. It, you know, just go out and be you. There's a, there's a part of them that just does this for themselves, right? Like, they became, they, they wanted to pursue their baseball dreams. I don't want to say they became major leaguers for it, but they wanted to pursue their baseball dreams because it, for themselves, and that's what they're going to be playing for. And as fans, we will come back around to a team that looks like they're having some fun. If we can find something to cheer for in the last month, I think fans will cheer for it. I don't think you're ever going to see the fans this year, the 2022 version of the White Sox fandom. And and this is whether fans are hitting free agency or playing for their fandom for the future or, you know, in some way, shape or form, trying to see if the team will keep them as fans. And they will. Uh, the fans are also, you know, if we can find a Daniel Palka to cheer for in this last month, if we can find something to do, we will do it to entertain ourselves because we don't want to be bored either. And I know football season is starting, but that's another level of disappointment that I think Sox fans need to build themselves up for before they're let down. You know who got a real good taste of Chicago White Sox fandom on Wednesday night? Romy Gonzalez. Romy Gonzalez got it all. Okay, he he gets on base. He, had he a, ran the gamut. He had a good game. Overall, he had a good game at the plate, right? But he gets himself thrown yeah. out by about 40 feet trying to steal second base. Like, it was like people in the stands, the few, like I had to yell to the guy that was all the way at the other end of my section because there were only two of us in it. I yelled down to him. I go, he should never be allowed to steal a base again. He goes, that's what I said. But I couldn't hear him because he was so far away. But then he makes a great defensive play and people cheered him. And when he got a couple of big hits, people cheered him. That's what we are. That's what we are as a fan base. What we are is we're a fan base that knows what's good, knows what's bad, knows who's dogging it, knows who's trying, rewards those that deserve reward and pummels those that don't and that deserve the pummeling. And anybody shocked by that doesn't understand White Sox fans, which is one of the reasons why I always feel like the front office is really disconnected from what a real White Sox fan is. We love this team when it's good, and we tell this team it sucks when it sucks, okay? And that's the hard truth that the White Sox have to understand. 
You had a big year at the gate this year. You didn't have it because of your promotions. You didn't have it because of your video packages. You didn't have it because of any of the things you've convinced yourself is why you had a big year at the gate. You had a big year at the gate because we expected you to contend for a World Series championship. You will have a bad month at the gate now in September, except for the pre-sold tickets, which you're going to take credit for, even though those people aren't going to be sitting in the seats, a lot of them. Okay, you will have a bad month because of the way you're playing. When you finally learn that you make more money when you do well, maybe there's changes in the front office, which I continue to call for constantly. Fire everyone and move on. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.